Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And welcome back to the patron-exclusive podcast, My Hose. Thank you for everyone for being here. Thank you very much. Oh wait, you know what I realized that I didn't do? Because I said upload. I uploaded the I uploaded the thing for Fat Electrician to Audioboom. I haven't uploaded it to pa Patreon yet. So yeah, you all, I'm sure that now you're going to hear it. So it's going to be fine. But I just realized that now while we're sitting down to record this. I can't believe you would do that to Wait, our patron. You can't believe that I would do that. No, I'm lying. Really? He, really? This is exactly something really? he would do, you guys. Like, it is so stressful. I'm like, you need an assistant. But he's not, like, lucrative enough to justify I, having an assistant. So I have to be his assistant. Y'all, let me tell you. I am working a full-time job as a, like, lab supervisor and a part-time job as this man's supervisor, like, assistant <laughs> and supervisor. <laughs> she is both. But you're really going to tell the patrons about my lucrativeness? Well, I'm just saying you're not that lucrative yet. You're going to get there. <laughs> Maybe. Gee, put me to sleep like a bad rhyme from the 17th century. <laughs> I like to be transparent, you know? Like... What if everyone thought you were, like, super rich or something? You know, like, with that one case of the, um, when all the streamers' incomes got released and people got mad because there were people on there that were quite literally making, like, three or $400,000 a month. Can that be me? Well, How do I do that? The funny thing is, I, I don't get that. It's like, I saw that years ago, obviously, before I was doing anything for streaming. And so when that happened, I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, oh, you're not mad? Why, why would, you all are the one that is paying them. But also, like, what would you do with that much money per month? Like, I don't know. I feel like I just need enough money to pay off, like, my student loans and, like, my car. And then, like, I would just continue doing what I'm doing. There's nothing that I really want to spend money on. Like, I don't I don't know what people do. I just want to go to sites. I want to go to places around the world yeah, to I'd some of the really cool sites. travel a little bit. But then, like, to a certain point, it's pointless to have that much money. There's no... You know what I mean? I don't know. I just feel like I would just want a reasonable amount of money. And then I just stop <laughs> I, just I would stop. just stop i would just stop <laughs> just like tap out like what am i doing with all of this money <laughs> oh yep yep no i get it so anyway i know we started off on this little tangent immediately from the beginning to clarify what we're talking about here today as i made that little pun i guess about the 17th century nursing rhymes yeah if you didn't catch it that is the topic of today's podcast nursery rhymes i really like the suggestion i oh you know i forgot to write it down there was a person who requested it. They wanted that to be like their thing for a uh, for like a video request, but they were one of the one dollar patrons, which gets access to uh, podcasts. So when they messaged me with their like what it is they wanted, I was like, oh okay. But then I saw like the suggestion, like oh oh, that's a fun one because th this is where it's going to get a little odd, and I'm just going to clarify that from the beginning. When you were talking nursery rhymes, this is like one of those things. It's almost like religious books. Things were not written down for these until hundreds of years, potentially, after they were created. So meaning, word variation, etc. There can be a lot of different interpretations. So what I am saying is not the guaranteed 100% like this is what this means. This is what people have been able to deduce from the rhymes, considering the times. And what it is hinted at. And there are other versions that may mean different things. <laughs> he but said deuce. Really? 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 You can edit that out. Wait, when did I say deuce? You what? said deduce. 
Yeah, did it? Wait a minute. Why is that? <laughs> I was like trying to think. Like, did I just say deuce? Like taking a deuce? Wait. Well, now I've said it. But... Yeah, now you have. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Screw it. We're leaving it. Anyway, moving on for this. Gabby, you raised sheep. Yeah. Remember Baba Black Sheep? Yes. Or the whole thing? Now, do you know what Baba Black Sheep is about? The Black Sheep of the Family. No, but honestly, that's a very good guess. Like, just if I was looking at it from the top like that, maybe, maybe. But no, it's 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 weirder. It's about a sheep with wool? What? Wait, why would a sheep about wool? Well, it says, Baba Black Sheep, have you any wool, right? Yes. Okay, so for those of you who don't know the rhyme that I'm talking about, and you're about to get that really sweet like this is what you pay for this is what you pay for the exclusive case of stakui of stephen bell reading you nursery rhymes baba black sheep have you any wool yes sir yes sir three bags full one for the master one for the dame one for the little boy who lives down the lane like okay what kid would not be soothed by that it sounds awesome except this whole thing is more than likely about taxes Taxes. Taxes. Specifically wool tax. Okay, so I need to provide some context for you. Allegedly, this rhyme is about the medieval wool tax, which was implemented under King Edward I, where what he would do, he would receive one-third of the profits per sack. Like, it was a 33% tax rate. Thus, having three bags of wool meant that one of those was for the king. Additionally, black sheep wool was less lucrative because it couldn't be dyed. So it fetched a lower price like if you had white sheep wool that was easier because you could treat it and then you could dye it you could do different things with it but if it was black wool well that was it was a lot harder like you you bleach it somehow for it here and you're essentially getting gray it's not it doesn't have nearly as much viability so though most scholars agree that baba black sheep is about the great custom which was the tax on wool that was introduced in 1275 its use of the color black as a name, along with the word master, led a number of people to wonder whether there was actually a racial racial message in its center, but it was from hundreds of years earlier, so it's unlikely. That political correctness called it into question again in the like in the 20th century, where some schools banned it from being repeated in classrooms and others simply switched out the word black for something that they thought would be less offensive because of the wording. So that was a real thing that happened back in the 1900s. Baba, white sheep. That still sounds wrong. Baba, European sheep. <laughs> I don't know. Caribbean sheep? There's like Caribbean sheep. We have like very specialized sheep that don't get a lot of wool. Like we have some of them that just don't have wool. I mean, if they were, I mean, this is the Caribbean. If they were densely packed with wool, that would probably be a bad time for them. Some of them are. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. It isn't, but it falls off. Yeah, I would hope like shedding like our cat does all over my shirt. Oh, man. Well, okay. But you think that that's crazy. Let me tell you about that wool trade because a lot of things, like from what this stems, it's pretty wild. So wool as a raw material has been widely available since, you know, the sheep were first domesticated. Even before shears were invented, wool would have been harvested by using something like a comb. Or, you know, if it's falling out, like in the case of the Caribbean sheep, you just pluck it out by hand. But check this out. The fuller has got to be one of the worst jobs in history. I got—I need to do a, a history of bad jobs, of like terrible jobs that people had. Because 
can you guess what the fuller was, Gabby? Do you know how they used to treat wool? Like how they used to take care of it? No. How do you get ammonia? How do you get ammonia? Yeah. How d- pee. Yeah. So in order to treat the wool, you had a fuller whose job it was was to pee on all the wool and then stomp it. Wait. Haven't we seen this in like some movie about Vikings? No, no. You saw that in the Scottish show where it was um they she time traveled. Oh. What was it called Outlander. again? Outlander. Outlander. That's what it was. They were using pee on like cloths? Y- yes. So Cause, that cause this? It's, yeah. That's a fuller. I mean and then it was a it was a uh it was a whole village so that was doing it. it's a historically accurate movie. Yeah, that's a TV thing. show. Urine is one of the most useful things in history. So would you say Outlander is historically accurate? It actually does a very good job on the, the okay, historical representation and presentation. Uh, the characters and how they treat her and whatnot, like, fuck no. But Okay, this is not a movie review podcast. Well, no, a TV series review No, podcast. but the themes, the themes are actually quite fitting. Like, it's genuinely impressive what they do with that. Like, n- not even kidding. But anyway, back to wool in this. In medieval England, wool became really big business. There was enormous demand for it. Mainly, this was to produce cloth. And everyone who had land, from peasants to major landowners, would raise sheep. So while the English did make cloth for their own use, very little of what they made was actually for themselves and their own industry. At the time, the best weavers lived to the south, across the pond. I say, wait, no, across the pond is referring to America. So in this case, it would just be across the channel, I guess. Across the pond. Would it be across the pond? If there are any Brits that are in here, just message me on Patreon and let me know. Does across the pond still mean into Europe or is that only a reference to America? I'm not sure. I think it's only a reference to America. Okay. So it'd be across the channel, across the water. It'd just be over there. I mean, that that makes sense. But anyway, the, the best weavers were in Flanders and these were in rich cloth making towns like uh, you had Ghent and like Ypres and or Ypres, I guess. I'm not sure how I'd pronounce that, but that's where they were. And these people were ready to pay top dollar for some English wool. So wool became the backbone and the driving force of the medieval like English economy between the late 13th century and the late 15th century. And at the time, the trade was even described as being the jewel of the realm, which is an odd way to phrase it because it was literally wool. Like to this day, the Lord High Chancellor in the House of Lords they like they, they have are on the seat the seat of the high chancellor is a large square bag of wool called the wool sack like that's ridiculous but as the wool trade increased and the great landowners became lords abbots and bishops they began to count their wealth in sheep and began to acquire more and more the monasteries in particular and the varying houses they played a very active part in the trade which, of course, would make the king happy, who was able to levy a tax on every sack of wool that was exported. Successive monarchs would tax the wool trade very heavily, with King Edward having been the first, and as the wool trade was so successful, he felt that he could make some, you know, royal revenue off the whole thing by just slapping taxes on it. This was... This was a really big thing. And it sounds so weird to think about it, but... Like, Edward III actually went to war with France partly to help protect the wool traders with Flanders. Like, that that was the Hundred Years' War. The burghers from these rich Flemish towns had appealed to him for help against their French overlords, and during this period, the taxes that had been levied began to really damage the wool trade, 
And of course, the war is causing all kinds of destruction and people getting their homes burned and all this stuff. So a bunch of people from these Flemish towns then ended up settling in England, which in turn brought the the wool cloth or the, the like the cloth, all this. It brought it home. So they started to produce all of this stuff themselves. Like, oh, it's just, it's how the industry really gets started for England, and it's so interesting. Do you think they can hear Joya screaming her head off in the background because she doesn't want to go to bed? I don't know. I don't know. But hey, that's what we're doing here, recording from the bedroom. That that sounds weird to say, but at least we don't hear our daughter screaming, or you all don't. Maybe I don't know. I don't think that they would. Anyway, next one that I had on here, Goosey Goosey Gander. So, you know this one? No. Goosey Goosey Gander, whither shall I wander? Upstairs and downstairs and in my lady's chamber. There I met an old man who wouldn't say his prayers, so I took him by his left leg and threw him down the stairs. You said wander. Yeah, because it's Goosey Goosey Gander. It's not Gander. They would say Gander. (laughs) So, wander. That it's a rhyme. But what do you want me to do? It's a rhyme. Why are you laughing at me? I don't know what this means. Okay, Is so a goose not a goose. Well, it could. Yeah, it's all representative. I had not actually heard this one before. I I never had heard of this rhyme. So I looked into it, and it's not exactly one that you would find in America. So I had to do some research. What it seems to be is that the whole thing was about religion. So back in the 16th century, it wasn't really easy being Catholic. You had to say your Latin prayers in secret because actually doing them in Latin, that was outlawed. Even within the safety of one's own home, it just it wasn't a safe thing to do. You see, 300 years ago, the United Kingdom, then including the whole of Ireland, was like most European countries, a... What's, what's the term? They're a state which in which there's a state religion. Like, that, that's just what it is, a confessional state, one in which religious minorities were subject to varying degrees of legal disability. But this time, it wasn't Catholicism that was in charge, as it had been in previous centuries. During the 1500s, there was a massive religious power struggle that left a bunch of people in England, just, their, their whole lives were in jeopardy. Which, if you remember the context of that, in order to divorce his first wife, uh, Roman Catholic Catherine of Aragon, King Henry VIII of created the Church of England and cut ties with the Vatican. I mean, not all British subjects were willing to become Protestants overnight, and the debate continued behind closed doors for a while. I mean, many monarchs and followers remained Catholic in secret. And in 1553, when Henry's daughter, Queen Mary I, ascended the throne, she fought to restore Catholicism and her mother's legacy. In just three years, she burned some 300 Protestants at the stake, beheading and torturing a bunch of them. And in the process, she earned the nickname Bloody Mary. And so upon her death, just five years later, her Protestant half-sister Elizabeth became queen. She reversed Mary's measures, creating martyrs of the victims. And then during Elizabeth's reign, Protestantism became British law, which of course ensured that no future monarch could restore Catholicism as the official religion. If you did not attend Anglican public worship and sign your name to various required statements and oaths, you were not allowed to hold civic office. You couldn't get an education in a university. You couldn't practice law. You couldn't do anything. And like a whole bunch of things besides that. The system really was pressed on Roman Catholics. 
I mean, apart from the fact that Catholic worship was technically prohibited, the law actually encouraged and rewarded informers who could identify any illegally operating priests and denied Catholics the right to inherit property or even buy land. Like, these Protestants actually got paid to catch Catholics in the act of devotion or praying, more so if they caught a priest. And, where this all comes from, one of the methods of executing them was to tie one end of their legs with a rope and then throw them down a flight of stairs and then repeat. Okay, but now this one, this one I know you're familiar with because, okay, remember Rhyme Time Town? Yes. Okay, which I got to say, this is not an ad for Netflix, but I love Rhyme Time Town, which is so dumb. I want my daughter, my daughter doesn't watch shows. It annoys me because I have all these things that I want to show her. And she's like, okay, I'm going to watch this for 10 seconds and then runs elsewhere. Like she is a three-year-old, but she's a three-year-old on crack. Like she really is. <laughs> she doesn't even have a lot of sugar. She doesn't have like anything. She just runs. That's what she does. She gets it from you, me. I think she gets it from me. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so one of the characters that is in there is Mary because they're all references to different rhymes. So Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow with silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row? Like, you know. No, I don't know. I haven't actually watched Rhyme Time Town. No, no. You, that rhyme, though. The Mary, Mary, quite contrary. You don't know that one? Nope. Oh, shoot. Okay, well... That is one of the um, that is one of the bigger, more common rhymes in history here, which the the tragic tale of Mary Queen of the Scots is commonly accepted as being the. Hey everyone, it's Takuya here, and before we get back to the show, I would just like to thank today's sponsor, eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed one hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Main character or the focus of the rhyme. So, Mary, Mary, quite contrary. The cockle shells or silver bells in this are supposed to have been either ornaments on a dress that was given to her by her first husband, the Dauphin of France, and the pretty maids all in a row were her ladies-in-waiting. The famous, you know, four Marys. But another interpretation is that the rhyme could also refer to Mary I, the one that we had previously covered, Bloody Mary. You know, the devout Catholic and upon taking the throne from her brother, Edward VI, she restored the Catholic faith to England, like we just covered, hence the Mary Mary quite contrary, because, you know, it was contrary to what they were doing before, and the garden in the second line is supposed to refer to the country itself. Here's where it gets kind of really dark, though. So the silver bells were a type of thumbscrew, and the cockle shells were an instrument of torture used on Protestant martyrs to persuade them to change faith. The maiden was an instrument that was used to behead people, a little like the French guillotine, and the line, pretty maids all in a row, is taken to refer to the max, or mass execution of Protestants during Mary's reign. 
So it's either about some lady and her dress or a lady who executed people. I like the one about the dress. Let's stick with the dress. <laughs> well, there's some other like interpretations or weird meaning for ones. Like I'll give you this is the one that among all of them I'm most um I don't want to use the term doubtful, but it's like the way that it's explained is very interesting. So Pop goes the weasel. Like we we all know Pop goes the weasel from when we were a kid. Pop like Pop goes the weasel initially started as a kind of dance tune for people where it originates from London which a lot of these are going to be from London because these are English, it wouldn't really make sense for us to be doing German or, like, I don't know, Turkish nursery rhymes because we wouldn't know what the hell we're looking at. But when you look at this, there are references to City Road in a pub called the Eagle in the second verse, which may be, you know, have been less familiar, and it goes... Up and down the city road, in and out of the eagle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Like, we know this. People lived in poverty throughout most history, and the nursery rhyme is thought to be referring to the pawning of a coat in order to obtain money for food. Like a half pound of tuppany rice and a half a pound of treacle. And at its worst, the rhyme is about financial ruin, as the second verse should be referring to the fact that the food money is short, but someone keeps on spending it on drink, like at the bar or the pub. Thus, the need to pawn their coat. You see, Cockney rhyming slang was a very common form of speech that used rhyming words to signify what was actually meant. Therefore, a weasel and a stoat was a coat and was often shortened to just weasel. And so the word pop was a colloquial language for pawning something. So when the weasel goes pop... It means the coat is being pawned, which is a very interesting thing here. Another one that comes from this that we don't really know is London Bridge is falling down because London Bridge is falling down goes all the way back to when it was written in 1659, like when it was written down. And it was popular in many different countries that have their own kind of versions of it. One theory is that it originates from the destruction of a bridge in 1014 by a Viking who later became King Olaf II of Norway. But, I mean, if that's true, then that song has roots going back a thousand years. Supposedly, Olaf pulled ropes, or he tied ropes to the pilings, and he rode downstream, causing the fragile bridge and the defenders that were standing on it to fall into the River Thames. Another, more sinister theory is that the song actually refers to burying a child inside the bridge's foundation due to the superstition that a human sacrifice was necessary to stop a bridge from collapsing. However, there's no archaeological evidence whatsoever that supports this theory, as there are, well, no human remains that have been found in the bridge's foundations. Like, there's nothing. Another famous one in here, though. Gabby, you know Mulberry Bush, right? No. Like the, here we go round the mulberry bush, mulberry bush, mulberry bush. Here we go round the mulberry bush on a cold and frosty morning. This is the way we wash your face, wash your face. You, you don't know that. I've heard it, but I've never heard that version of that rhyme. See, this is the difficult thing about a lot of this, because there's so many versions of different things that people may not necessarily know what it is that I'm referring to. But see, this one, this particular rhyme was recorded by James Orchard Hallowell, who was an English Shakespearean scholar. And this collection of nursery rhymes and fairy tales that he made 
it had all these English children's games of the mid-19th century. So this song and the associated game of, you know, spinning around a kind of plant or object, they were traditional in England, and there were many different versions that were found in places like Scandinavia, the Netherlands, etc. But we don't really know. Like, it's a game, and some people theorize that, like, in the case of the more Victorian era, that the nursery rhyme was actually about female Victorian prisoners who were exercising in the yard at Wakefield, which is one of the women's prisons they had there. So a mulberry tree grew in the yard, and the women inmates would dance around the tree with their children and sing the song. That tree actually died in May of 2019. So that's very, very recent. That actually makes me want to talk about something with it here, the, the Victorian prison system. Gab, you ever think how it's odd when we look at, like, okay, we see the prison systems that we have nowadays, and, like, the, um, how do I even phrase this? We have segregated prisons. Like, you have men's prison prisons, and you have women's prisons, and they op- they operate differently. Like, they're not the same. But prison systems are way better now than what they used to be, at least on average. So the Victorian prison system was created by men, pretty much for men. Like, accommodation for women was usually an afterthought, and the penal system was really designed for them as a more... It was just a modified version of the men's prison. That really is all it was. So women convicts were considered to need saving twice. Firstly, from being, you know, criminals... And the second was that it was believed that they, if they, if they were put in any kind of compromising situations, potentially with men or other inmates or other people, that they needed to be saved from their deviancy as well. It's like, it's really interesting. So to that end, instead of being subjected to hard labor, women went through several different disciplinary stages that were intended to put them on the path to reform. The stages were separate confinement for four months, whereas men had to endure nine months of separate confinement, associated labor, and finally a transfer to a female-only institution. So prison authorities had to deal with all kinds of things, like you had pregnant women, women who were postpartum, they had lying-in wards and nurseries that had to be created, and regulations that would be relating to exercise, you know, to keep them kind of healthy, any communication, all the dietary provisions, anything that they would need, like all this stuff needed to be modified for women because... Well, they were different from men. They had different needs. They had different bodies. They had different everything. So they needed a different kind of care. Another possible reference for it here, if it's not that, is that the whole thing with the mulberry bush is that its interpretation of the rhyme comes from Britain trying to grow, not grow, harvest and produce silk. So if you don't know this, silkworms eat mulberry leaves. And during the 18th and 19th century, Britain tried to emulate the success of Chinese silk production, but it's cold winters and frost. It was just too harsh for mulberry trees to really thrive, and so that hampered the development of a kind of successful silk production industry. So the lyrics, here we go round the mulberry bush on a cold and frosty morning, are thought to be a joke about, you know, the difficulties of trying to do anything with this industry in a time that was, like, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Like, it, you, you know Britain's, um, their weather is interesting. The, if you look at, what, what is it, is the currents? You remember what I'm talking about, right, Gabby? The currents that carry warm water 
to Britain are the only reason why Britain is not in an ice age. Because it's so far north in terms of, like, its hemisphere, like, its um, latitude and longitude, like, its positioning, that Britain should be much colder than it actually is. But it's not because of the warm water currents that go from the Caribbean and South America that travel up there. That keeps the land warmer. I did not know that, but that's really cool. Yes, it's actually something fascinating. But that is... um. I wonder how climate change will impact us. That's what people wonder. Because currents are affected. So if the current diverted or just you know stopped flowing there i don't think that would happen i mean it would take i don't i don't know i don't know either i don't know i I remember looking at it a while back but i've completely forgotten well going down that rabbit hole after this yep definitely now i know this was a bit of a shorter one but i i really i don't know what else to extrapolate upon because we're talking about nursery rhymes we're talking about all these things that there are an infinite number of possibilities for what they mean so you know know, i know what i'm gonna do gabby Mm -hmm. do you have any nursery rhymes that you were taught as a kid like are there any ones specific to trinidad or anything like that i don't think so i mean maybe i don't remember (laughs) you know i have the memory of a goldfish well there is that for here i'm curious you know what on patreon for those of you listening if there are any particular nursing nursery rhymes and you have the origin for it like what it is like, if you have, say, in your own native country or language, if there's a specific nursery rhyme that you have that you want to share, send it in to me with its story. Like, I'm actually curious about this. I want to know more, too, because obviously, talking about English nursery rhymes, we're going to be talking about England a lot from this. And I want to do more stuff around the world. So I do hope that you all enjoyed this episode. I know that it was a little bit short, but I do appreciate each and every one of you who have come in today. And I think that next week I'm going to draft an extra long one. But in this case, it's late at night. The podcast has to go up and I need to sleep. Thank you guys for listening. And also we passed 300 patrons today. So I just want to say thank you all so much because this is this is crazy, right? Like people actually want to hear you speak. I cannot imagine. That was a joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. I know it's a joke, but depending on the mood, like when you came home from work today, if it's a bad day at work, I know that I don't want to be hurt. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to go home in a bad mood. It was just a day. Let me tell you. And thank you all for your support. Hopefully, as things grow, I will be able to let Gabby not have to have her job as well. Well, no, I, I just want to go to grad school. So. That's the point. I want you to be able to do what you want. PhD. <laughs> Thank you to everyone. And goodbye, my hoes. Bye.